0: From the land of adventure and diversity, these are the stories of extraordinary Africans. Only on
1: Faces of Africa.
2: My name is Irwin Pon, and I am a fourth generation Chinese South African. Proudly South African and proudly Chinese as well. I am Head of Asia at Rand Merchant Bank. The largest portion of that comes from China. So today, I'm off to China. I established the China desk in 2009. And during these 16 odd years, we've done a huge amount of transactions between China and South Africa. In fact, our transactions have reached over 40, close to 50 billion rand. I haven't been back to China in four years since COVID, and I'm really looking forward to it. Even though I'm born here in South Africa, uh, China is like a home to me. I have this romantic connection back to China. It's part of me. It's part of my blood. It's part of who I am. One of the first projects I was uh, part of was a company called Gold One. It's a gold company here in South Africa. And uh, a Chinese group of companies led by the China Africa Development Fund buying resources in China. Uh, We're very interested in acquiring a gold asset, and uh, it has actually become one of the uh, more successful mining acquisitions by a Chinese mining company in South Africa. Uh, It's created lots of jobs. It's expanded the operations. And actually, this is a real example now of how China and Africa can come together to develop a win-win situation. So I've just arrived back from China and nothing better to get rid of the jet lag than to come out for a wonderful run and get the blood pumping again. I see what the possibilities are. China has really opened back up again. And there's a whole host of opportunities there. People are busy on the streets. Corporates are interested, excited, determined to make the best of things. And bringing back that to South Africa I hope to convert that into great opportunities, not only for China, but for our African and South African people as well. Good morning, Owen.
3: He facilitates the business from China into Africa. I then facilitate the trade into Africa. Owen helps create that link and make it easy for people to demystify the complexity of doing business in Africa.
2: Partnership is key. The cultures are different, the regulations are different, the way of doing business is different. It's not just looking for the opportunities, but it's looking for the best of both worlds. How we can use China's expertise, its knowledge, its experience, and really help that in growing Africa. I've worked at Irwin for, for a number of years now. Irwin has been able to take
3: some of the cultural aspects, uh, bring, the, bring himself and his own culture into, into business. And I think, you know, when you're able to bring all of yourself, this is what authentic leadership is all about. Oh, much appreciated. Thank, Thank
2: you. you. Culture heritage is very important to me. I use my unique knowledge and my unique experience and background to really be the bridge between China and South Africa. I'm the chairman of the Chinese Association that tries to unite the Chinese in South Africa. And I try to make our Chinese communities integrate better into the South African communities. 1955, even my family's shop is, is, is over here.
4: So my name is Francis Lai Hong. I've basically been here all my life, as South African as you can get. We pry, we watch rugby, we watch soccer, we watch cricket, you know, and we get disappointed like all our other fans. And we get happy when we win the World Cups now and again. <laughs> <laughs> I have been involved with community work for the last 15 odd years together with Erwin. More or less 17 the same years. Time. 17 years actually, huh? We basically came in as a new young blood. And uh, we've been there ever since, you know, so now we're the old blood, and some young blood are coming in.
2: Seventeen years ago, he was the guy that came to me and said, "Owen, you need to join the TCA, we're going to go and make a difference.
4: I mean, there was, to me, no one else that could actually assume the role, the proper leadership role of the TCA except because of his intelligence, because of his understanding of things, because of his, also his, his, his cultural heritage. We realize as a, as a small group of Chinese here in South Africa, we need to be integrated into South Africa. You know, we are part of South Africa. If we want South African population to accept us as South Africans, we also need to integrate into the rest of South Africa, not just as an isolated community, but as a Chinese community that contributes to the welfare of society as a whole in South Africa the integration of and the respect for other races and other cultures and traditions which i think is important in building up a a a healthy south africa rainbow nation one of the most nation-building events that we were part of was uh, the chinese new year celebration
2: where we have thousands of people And what's the beauty of that is whereby we introduce Chinese culture and at many of our Chinese events, you know, it's great to see many non-Chinese attending as well.
1: Audience, a happy New Year!
2: I wouldn't be here without my ancestors. Majority of my ancestors and the local Chinese that have been here for many generations come from this area here called Guangdong, China. Late 1890s, my great-grandfather left Guangzhou, China, and he came to South Africa, basically looking for opportunities and and, and looking for a better life. Our family's been in South Africa for over hundred and something years. That is when they first came to South Africa. This here is one of the first things that my grandmother gave me after I was married. She said this is for good luck and it's for getting lots of kids. And my kids are the fifth generation. Huh? Come swing around and do it the other way. Try. Come. You want to try or Your turn. Then you can also try.
0: Sometimes I wonder how he does it. He always wanted to bring everybody together. We should be all part of the community. I think that was very important for him. Change everything. Photography.
2: So after this video, you're going to look like this as well.
0: And a good sense of humor as well. And I think that's what I liked about him and made me fell in love with him. We're very lucky here in South Africa that, you know, my kids have been exposed to so many cultures. I mean, I know my two daughters, I mean, for their second language, they both chose African languages. And I think for for my kids, I mean, if you ask them, they'll they'll say 100% I'm South African. South Africa's home.
2: My view of China was through my grandmother's eyes and my grandfather's eyes. Her name was Ng Soiti. and Soi is also the name that we used for our family business, which has been around for, I think, close to 80 years now in South Africa. And I find it so amazing for my grandparents not being able to speak English and being able to set up a shop that has lasted up until now, to being able to buy goods, import goods, and send their goods all across Southern Africa and South Africa. You know, in those days, there was, in our Chinese community, there weren't many people that didn't hear of either Suing Hong or the Pon family. We were also respected by a lot of people outside of the community, and they would come and visit, and they would either come and visit our shop, or on a special day like this for my grandmother's hundredth, you know, we had. Winnie Mandela uh, attending the event as well, and and it was wonderful for my grand as well that just to feel like you belong, and and when people outside of your community also come and give their respects and 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 show their sincerity, it it really does make a difference. Hey, hello. hello, how are you? So this is the shop. This is. Uh where I have a lot of my young memories. This shop here just has such a a very special part of my life growing up. My grandmother as well would also use this opportunity when it was a bit quiet to teach me Chinese and teach me how to write my name and and, and various uh, Chinese characters. One of the key memories coming here to eat on this beautiful suite and
1: and not have to pay for
2: it. <laughs> not having to
1: pay for it. This shop, this is a firework shop. It belongs to my younger brother. My brother number four. I'm brother number three. We'll the younger ones. <laughs>
2: We would always participate in these Chinese events. One of the performances that we used to do, or that I used to do, was really be part of the Chinese lion, the Chinese dragon. And it was quite an honor when uh, Nelson Mandela became president and at his inauguration at the uh, grounds in Pretoria, that our whole dance troupe was able to perform and really be. And, and that's where we really felt we were part of this rainbow nation whereby our Chinese culture, our Chinese heritage was recognized
1: as well. And what we see above us here was the Chinese community welcoming Nelson Mandela. This was pretty soon after uh, Nelson Mandela being released. And because my dad played a big part in the Chinese community, we were also invited to the party welcoming Nelson Mandela. And what about something like these here?
2: So for your clients that want no noise, these are the right packs for them.
1: I became a professional pyrotechnician registered with the SAP Explosive Department and I think I'm very very fortunate to have a passion, a hobby which at the same time is my profession, part of the, our Chinese culture and tradition. Now, uh, this is the consumer version. In the professional field, we have the identical item and the biggest is 20 millimeter, the uh, size of a football. So, but the concept is the same. Launching tube, bottom you have a bit of gunpowder. When you ignite it, gunpowder explodes. When it explodes, a little ball flies up. When it gets to its zenith, it explodes, bang, and out pops a beautiful pattern. Those
2: were the Arts Alive. Yeah, yeah, Arts Alive of on
1: 1993.
2: Mm. It was firework business, it was our Chinese grocery business that enabled us here in South Africa to also make a living, for us to raise our kids, for us to have opportunities. And in Chinese we say Yao Yun, Yao Yun Fun. And it was like almost like the fate that even though we are so far away from our homeland, there were things that united us with our homeland that also enabled us to have a life here. And I think that type of entrepreneurial spirit has, has lived within me to always look for opportunities, look for ideas out there. When I was young, I just remembered here was the place to be. Whenever you wanted to see any Chinese community members, anybody in the community, you would just come here and it would be full. The streets were full. The nice thing of that was that as a child, as a very young child, I was protected. So, growing up in the old Chinatown, we called it Malay Malay Malaykam. It was beautiful. Then we moved into one of the white suburbs. We weren't allowed to own the property, so my dad had to get a proxy to buy it and rent it from the gentleman. And um, my dad had to go then to all the neighbors and were white neighbors in, in the neighborhood to get uh, an approval. The pain then of, of just, of being different. And I think in my life, I've always just wanted to fit in. Just wanted to, to feel a part of everyone else, right? So following other boys and kids around. And I remember the one time they said, you want to join us? It's fine, you can join us. And at that time, there was still a lot of chalk and chalkboards. And then he came saying, okay, to be part of us, he has some chalk. You must eat this chalk. And if you eat this chalk, you'll be one of us. And I did. I remember even now, if I think about it, that, that feeling of that, 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 that dryness and, and choking on the chalk. I remember chewing on the chalk and just thinking, like, just do it, Owen. Because if you do it, you'll be part of them. They'll, they'll allow you in. They'll allow you to be part of them. So I did it. And I remember just asking my mom, why, why, why? And she turned to me and she said, Owen, it's okay. It's okay to be different. middle of, of, of first Chinatown anyway became a lot more dangerous. Um, businesses started moving out. So here we're in Chinatown and it's a uh, new Chinatown as we call it. Established uh, probably gosh, in the, in the mid, mid-90s when I was in university. During that special time in South Africa's history, post-1994, Nelson Mandela came out of prison and we really became the, the rainbow nation. So we started getting restaurants here, grocery stores, hairdressers, you name it. Different cultures and different people come to a Chinatown. That's the beauty, right? It's, it's where we share, um, where we go to other cultures and, and places as well and, and let them know about us as well. So that's, that's, that's the beauty uh, of, of cultural integration, of, of really the Rainbow Nation. Through my travels, I also visit and eat at different restaurants and try different dishes. So sometimes on, when I return from my travels, I like to experiment on my family and, and cook those dishes perhaps from those areas as well. I was there for about 10 days. We met with the New Development Bank when I was there. They're very excited in terms of, of, of working on projects and making a difference. You guys like it a little bit sweeter, so I do put in a little bit more sugar. So as I was growing up, we were lucky enough to get uh, Betamax tapes of TV recordings from Hong Kong and we would look forward to watching these videotapes. One of the common stories with all of these, that really, really resonated with me. This boy, he would be raised by what we call sifus, which are teachers growing up, not knowing a lot, but learning and, and finding his way. And the thing that resonated with me was that even though this little boy was lost, he was an unknown. With, throughout these stories, there was always the potential for this little boy to be something so much more. Hello, how are you? Good, good, thank you. How are you? Melanie Yap, Nyan Man are really the historians of our local Chinese, the Chinese that have been here for many generations. They had the foresight, a couple of decades ago, to write a book about the history of the Chinese in South Africa. See
1: this
0: beautiful award I received from TCA? Have you seen <laughs> it?
2: Oh, yes, i have seen it. Special oh. community service awards in appreciation of your monumental effort in producing and co-authoring the book Color, Confucian, and Concessions, which covers the history of the Chinese in South Africa. I was presented to both of you. We as the Chinese <laughs> Association, the TCA, are very, very proud to be able to sponsor them for, or changing the format of book into an e-book that will be able to be much more accessible across the world with their work. It is just so, so important for us now we need to learn from history because we need to acknowledge, we need to recognise, we need to celebrate our past. And that's where the TCA building is now, just not just. That's right, what yeah. what was that? I think Diane and I were both shocked when we realized that the history
0: went back to the fifteenth century, sixteenth century. And this is when we started thinking, my goodness, does it really go back that far? And the Chinese slaves were there much earlier than Jan van Riebeck's importation of some. And we found the most amazing documents, wills written by the Chinese in the Cape in the 1660s, signed in Chinese. I mean, that opened our eyes. We didn't come here just because our fathers and grandfathers were the traders around 1900. Our history actually Went right, right back. So uh, that was amazing. I think looking back on this, it started off as an attempt to tell a story of a little community on the southern tip of Africa, and I don't think we realised at all um, how this book would develop a life of its own and a meaning uh, that that was way beyond its original intentions. I mean, it, it, it. it was a key part of the documentary evidence of two major court cases for the Chinese community. The first was the uh, Black Economic Empowerment case, where the Chinese took their own government to court, and um, a judge upheld our, our plea that the Chinese qualified Uh, to be uh, given all the benefits of black economic empowerment because we had been discriminated against for generations. In the hate speech case, that, that was a totally different thing. To work through all those hateful things that people said and then to decide on behalf of the community that you were going to take it to court, to go and stand up and then to defend the Chinese like that, it was remarkable.
2: Hate speech case, and that was one of the most challenging times that I had. Because we were always told, "Keep your head down. If there's any problem, keep your head down. Don't make any noise. Keep quiet. It'll go away." It was when we realized that it is going to become more than words. These savage barbarians. Let's kill their children. Let's wipe them off the planet just because of the color of our skin, we were, it was like going back to apartheid again.
3: My name is Ben Winks. I'm an advocate uh, specializing in media, human rights and international law. In uh, 2017, thousands of hateful comments against the Chinese were posted on Facebook. 12 comments that were ultimately selected and uh, eventually some saw the light and decided to apologize. And then there were those who fought
2: us. And then we finally had our court date in 2019. The court was basically like, like bursting at its seams. There, were, there was not enough seats for the amount of Chinese community people that was there. They were waiting outside. And a lot of this community didn't even understand or speak English. In reality, I didn't know that I would like start from the beginning of my whole uh, life. I
3: was really filled with a uh, huge amount of admiration for you for, for doing that, for, Making yourself so vulnerable in a court of law—it was very emotional for me. I struggled to contain my emotions when we were recounting those experiences. Being in front of uh, a whole community of over a hundred people, in front of hostile lawyers, in front of a judge, um, and that—you know—you were prepared to go through that and expose yourself to cross-examination uh, for the sake of uh, your community when the opposing
2: uh, uh, a lawyer actually said, but aren't you making a small thing big? No, it isn't a small thing. For us to hear that you want to kill our children, for us to hear that we don't belong here, it is not a small thing, and we won't be quiet anymore. Today is really significant. Um, it's a historic moment. Um, the lot of Chinese people who now put their head up and so today is dignity restored to the Chinese community and it sends a strong message to others out there that hate speech and the incitement of violence against Chinese people, or against any other communities for that matter,
1: will not be accepted. It's because of you that we can all be proud.
2: When I was a young kid, I would always watch these Kung Fu movies and and dream of bringing people together and, and being the hero. And I remember the one day walking into court and the one father, as I passed, he said to his little boy, he said, that's the man I was talking about. That's the hero in our community. Just, just like clicked when, when he said that. I didn't feel it, but, but I just thought, wow, maybe, maybe that little boy, that little Owen, that had dreamt of being a hero one day, maybe he really did achieve it. And at that time, I didn't think I was a hero. I mean, all I was was just trying to help our community. What the community did was a service,
3: not only for themselves, but for South Africa as a whole. They contributed to building a, a legal landscape against hate speech that will serve any marginalized community. I don't think we could have received a, a better uh, advocate. The case was really, I mean, it was profoundly important for me uh, it helped me reconnect with the reasons why I studied law in the first place, and uh, also, you know, felt a sense of responsibility as a, as a South African to play a part. Sorry, it's uh, <laughs> bringing up a bit of emotion. <laughs>
2: Even though it was our Chinese community that was facing this, that was really experiencing this. It was just so awesome and amazing to see non-Chinese come together to rally around us. And, and it also gave that message that, that it wasn't just a Chinese issue and that it wasn't only Chinese people cared about this. There were so many more people from our advocates to, to other communities out there that came together and rallied behind us to say that we also care we are all South Africans, and that you do belong. It was actually Ben, he would remind me and say to me, Erwin, when you introduce yourself, it's not just Erwin Pon, what is your Chinese name? And I would find that so strange, because never has someone really asked me to introduce myself in my Chinese name. Something that my grandmother had been always teaching me how important it was to write my name in Chinese, in my community. I want them to hear your Chinese name. Be proud of who you are.
0: My name is Ye Huay Fin.
2: It is possible that we can unite and, and really focus on developing a better world. Always remember, to be proud, proud of who you are,
4: okay?